So I think <coughs> what is bringing us here, actually it's life. I think we are all alive, so we are living. So we are living, but we are asking questions. And the fundamental questions that uh, we have been asking, I think all of us, we cannot escape that uh, question is, why we live and what is the purpose of my life and what should I do? What is the best thing that I should, I should do with my life? I think since we are alive, we are asking that uh, type of uh, question. So now uh, the season, you know, the season is changing and the autumn is coming. And uh, if we look uh, outside, you know, then the kids, they start to get ready for schools and uh, then they are in the process of learning. So some kids, they are very eager. And uh, when the summer is ending, then they, you know, they get new pencils and they get new books and they get very excited about going to school because they are going to learn something new. So that kind of eagerness to learn and to know about life is starting from a very young age. So of course, you know, sometimes uh, kids also, when the summer is ending, then also that means the vacation is ending and uh, the trouble is starting, you know, <laughs> and the change of uh, weather also will bring sometimes uh, sickness and uh, all kinds of things. So although sometimes kids, they go to school and uh, they are not so enthusiastic at the beginning, after a while they start to get some friends and they get acquainted and somehow they get interested in something because in life there is always something that we can learn from. If we look carefully, there is always something that we are learning from. You know, from, our, from other people, from ourselves, there is always a source of knowledge. So that's a very interesting uh, thing to remember, that we can always learn something from any kind of situation in which we are. So I had a friend, <laughs> and uh, he, he was like that. He was eager, very eager for the knowledge. And when he arrived to university, then it was you know, very exciting because when he comes to university, he's a young adult, and uh, they, at that time we choose, you know, the subject we want to learn, and uh, we can decide ourselves what really we uh, we are uh, aiming for. So, uh, I had a friend that uh, was like that. So when he arrived at university, he got very enthusiastic, and uh, all the time he was very. Uh, alert and very, he was, all his time was always full because there was a lot of meaning. He was getting something. Then he was telling me that uh, actually this is the thing, you know, that uh, what is important is the attitude towards life. If we have that type of wanting to learn, that means wanting to get some more knowledge, wanting to improve, wanting to understand more, then, then we are keeping alive. But also in every situation, we cannot control the situations. Like sometimes, although we are very enthusiastic, then, you know, like uh, 
in the autumn, the, the leaves fall down and, uh, you know, but uh, fruit trees produce fruits, like the apple, they come only in the autumn. But the apple are uh, coming only, you know, at this time of the year. We cannot expect apple trees to be flourishing and giving fruits all the year. So it's the same thing with us. We cannot expect always to be uh, in a good mood, always to be productive. And there are times where we uh, need to have a transition. And that type of uh, acceptance in the transition that we are getting into our life uh, is also uh, something where we can learn from. So that's very important. Life is transition, and then when there is transi transition, sometimes we are not creative, we are not so much uh, you know, uh, active, and uh, so it's a phase of life. We have, we have to accept that type of things and, and to learn from that. So what is the meaning, like university, you know? The name university has uh, the meaning, some root is uh, with the Latin universis. So it is connected with the whole. That means entire. And uh, then when it came to be the organization of uh, scholastic, uh, you know, scholastic type of, uh, of establishment, then they gave the name university because there, they were having all kinds of all kinds of, of subjects that they were learning from, you know, all kinds of arts and science, and so it was a place of learning where you could get any kind of thing from the whole universe. Talking about knowledge, you know, maybe that like to go to medis medical school, the people who want to uh, to be allowed, uh, you know, for admission, they need to be very clever in science, and then science means mathematics, because mathematics is a way to uh, to discipline and to put some kind of rationality to the mind and to put some kind of logic, and uh, it is very useful. We can find, uh, you know, some laws or, you know, principles of mathematics everywhere. So doctors, they need the knowledge of mathematics for the practical, you know, like when they see patients, for example, they have to wait the person and then to uh, take the measure and then give uh, medicine according to, uh, to those kinds of things. Also, when they make statistic or prescription or any field of their practice requires the principle of mathematics so that they can be, uh, you know, efficient and uh, rational. So do you know also that you know also that the, the dentists they are also uh, doctors. So this we can understand. But can we understand why a dentist? needs to be clever in mathematics. Maybe you will say, well, a dentist, what he, the only thing he needs to know is that I have about 32 teeth. And uh, if he pulls me, if, 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 if he pulls out one out of my mouth, then there is only 31. And then he charge about 30, $200 for the, for the operation. That's all he needs to know. <laughs> 
But you know also the psychiatrists? Psychiatrists are also doctors, so they need to have the medical science <coughs> to practice the, uh, their, uh, their profession. And the psychiatry is dealing with mental disorder and with psychiatric problem, you know, people who are having uh, difficulty with their, uh, with their with their personality, with their mind, everything. So they go for the, the psychiatrist. So the psychiatrist, before being a psychiatrist, you need to have uh, five years of general medicine. After that, they go and, and spend about five years for another uh, specialization. And then, uh, in some cases, like they specialize also in a psychoanalysis. So also the psychoanalysis in some schools they need to have uh, some psychiatric uh, experience and also the medical uh, experience. So all together, they need about uh, maybe 20 or 25 years of study. So that's a lot. If we consider uh, what they are doing, that means when you go to the, uh, you know, if you were to go to a psychoanalysis, then you just sit down and he sits, you don't even sometimes see him. And then you just talk, and uh, you will just listen for one hour or something like that. So, but to be able to listen and to understand the patient, in many cases, you know, he needs <coughs> all those years of study. Because, uh, uh, for example, the, a psychiatrist will know if the disease or if the mental disorder of the patient is due to medical causes like if it is due to a brain tumor or something that is happening in the body, then it has an effect on the mind. So if the doctor, if the psychiatrist or the psychoanalysis doesn't know that the mental problem is due to a physical cause, then they, 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 they will not be able to deal properly with the problem. And uh, they may arm the, I mean, they will not come with the proper treatment and the person will uh, will not get benefit from him. So if the case is that uh, the problem is physical, then they will send him to uh, medical, uh, you know, medical uh, treatment. Also the doctors and medical treatment also, if they see that the, the patient actually is not suffering from a physical disease, but from a mental disease, then they will send him to the psychiatrist. So, Mind and body is very much interrelated, so we have to understand that uh, it's a deep uh, kind of uh, thing that we we can uh, well we can at, at least accept the principle of that. Now talking about the Buddha's teaching. We cannot say, I mean, the Buddha was not an astronaut, and he was not a biologist, and he was not also a psychoanalysis, but he was having a deep understanding of life itself. And first of all, a deep understanding of himself. Because by understanding himself, he could understand the world. And the world is just uh, the macrocosm, you know, like all the galaxies and the stars and the planets. So this is the external world <coughs> and the world of people, the world of being. 
and the internal world is the microcosm. You know, the small, small little particles and the, all the tiny uh, bacteria and uh, uh, cells and uh, things that is uh, going on in our body. It's also like uh, galaxies. You know, if we look with the microscopes, it, it's like the uh, the galaxy. So some thinkers they he said that oh, the microcosm and the macrocosm. So what is inside, it's the same thing outside. And what is outside is the same thing inside. So although the Buddha knew many things, you know, they say that he was Sabanyuta, that means he knew everything. Although he knew many things, much more than the usual person, the only thing that he thought was this is suffering, and this is the cause of suffering. Or this is suffering, and this is the way out of the suffering. That's all he was teaching. And the cause of suffering is the craving. So the cause of suffering is mostly mental. And the suffering itself, it is the five aggregates. The fact of uh, life, you know, it's not that it's a... Uh, just the fact that it is changing, it's not uh, bringing a complete satisfaction. So this is the, the truth of uh, uh, unsatisfactoriness, the truth of Dukkha. So he was dealing mostly with the mind. So he was a very clever teacher and also very skillful in handling people differently according to their characters. But a point you know, that cannot be missed is the practice of uh, calming the mind, the practice of uh, making the mind clear by some kind of uh, meditation. This is very useful. So since the last century, because uh, the emphasis to promote the Buddha's teaching was precisely to come to the practice of vipassana, that is to understand the things and to come to kind of inside practice, then uh, the teaching was emphasizing mostly the practice of uh, the vipassana, like in Burma or also in Sri Lanka, because it went out of the monasteries, then it went to the lay people, and lay people cannot afford to, to spend much time into the you know into monasteries and to spend months and months just to do the practice. So because of that, the practice of samatha had been neglected because samatha needs a lot of time. Like you see, already you have been here for two months, and you see that it's not an easy it's not an easy job. You know, it takes time, and also it takes a special condition. So uh, this is not very easy. So because of that. The teaching itself of samadhi and jhana has been kind of a step up, you know, to the extent, you know, to, to the point that uh, in some places, uh, if some teachers were to say, like I have seen in a book of a very famous teacher, that uh, uh, he didn't want to, uh, to teach anapana because he would have been accused, you know, he would have been blamed of teaching the samatha practice. So 
the Samatha practice had been a little bit de denigrated. So because of that, I think some uh, misunderstanding arose regarding to how to practice it and also how to apply the Samatha practice inside the framework, inside the, the, the teaching of the Buddha. So today I will take, uh, because you know we are referring to the Buddha's teaching and uh, if we look at the text, you know, the Pali text that are uh, at our disposition and that had been kept for uh, centuries and that are available to us, if we look at them, we can find many interesting things. So now I will take one sutta from the Sangyutta Nikaya, and it is dealing specifically with the, with the, the aspect of Samadhi. So the sutta is the, called the Jhana Samyutta, and the Bhikkhu Bodhi has a translation, you know, at the page uh, 1034. So in that sutta, the Buddha explained uh, about uh, 11 skills, kusala, 11 skills that the meditator should develop if he wants to practice, you know, properly uh, samadhi or jhana. So the way he explains those element skills is by uh, combining two skills together, right? And then he compares, he says, okay, now uh, there, there are some meditators who are having this skill and then they don't have the other skill some meditators have the other skill and they don't have the other one. And then a third type of meditator is having uh, none of them. And then the fourth type of uh, meditator is having the two of them. So it's like, uh, for example, you have uh, uh, two propositions. You have A and B. So the first uh, proposition is that uh, you can have A without B. The second one is you can have B without A. And the third one is you cannot have A and B. You don't have A and B. And the fourth one is that you have both of them, A and B. So the first uh, skillfulness, the first skills that is mentioned there is uh, the translation given here is the skill in concentration regarding concentration or in the field of concentration. And the Pali is Samadhi Sming Samadhi Kusalo Oti. And the proposition number B is not skilled in attainment regarding concentration. Na Samadhi Sming Samapati Kusalo. That means you have some meditator who are skilled in, in concentration, and uh, you have some other meditators that, uh, regarding the concentration practice, they are not, uh, they cannot attain uh, concentration. They cannot attain jhana. So the meaning of the first one, skill in, concent skill in concentration regarding concentration, 
So that means that uh, somebody has experienced some jhana, you know, but he cannot uh, really keep a long uh, concentration in them. He is not so skillful in that. But he has some experience of jhana, and then samadhi kusalo oti. That means what is uh, characteristic here is that. Uh, whether he has very deep uh, jhana or not, is that uh, he is skillful regarding uh, the definition of the jhana factors. So he can identify the jhana <coughs> factors. So he can identify the first jhana having five factors, the second jhana having third five fa factors, and then the third also, and the fourth, and the, f yes, and the fourth like that. So. Uh, he is very skillful in rec recognizing and uh, knowing the jhana factors. So the second one, the B, he is, he is skillful in attainment regarding concentration. So that means that uh, he can keep the concentration for a long time. So the first one, who is skilled in concentration, but not necessarily uh, skill in keeping the jhana for a long time, but nevertheless can identify the jhana factors. This is very good for vipassana. So they say that uh, such a yogi has a, a lot of potential for the vipassana because it, he can identify the experience of himself, you know, and also uh, of uh, the experience itself. But the other one, although he can keep the concentration for a long time, he cannot, uh, when he gets out of it, he cannot identify the factors very clearly. You can say, like, uh, the second one, you know, who can go into jhana and uh, be absorbed and not knowing exactly what is going on, is uh, we can say that there are two types of uh, driving, you know, when you drive a car. So there is the automatic driving, and then you have the manual driving. So somebody who is having um, uh, automatic driving, he is just pushing on the pedal for the gas, and then he, he, the car just goes, you know, and he, is n he doesn't need to be aware of the change, changing of gear. The, the car just goes, and uh, he doesn't need to, to do anything. He just needs to push on the pedal. But for the second one, it is different. It's the manual. So when he goes in the first gear, then he goes to the maximum of the speed of the first gear. After that, he has to push on the clutch and then you know, change the gear to the second speed, right? And then go to the maximum of the second speed and then change again the speed to the, to the third and like that to the fourth the speed. So it's like that, you know, like when here you are uh, taught how to practice the jhana, we say, okay, now you get in the first jhana, after that, you, you, you try to keep it for some time, and then after that, you uh, reflect, you get out of the, the jhana, and then you reflect the jhana factors, and then you see the uh, disadvantage of the, the first jhana, for example. And then once you have seen that, then you go to the second jhana. And then after that, you go in the second jhana, you try to keep it for as long as possible, 
And after that, when you emerge, you reflect on the jhana factors and you try to, uh, you know, you see the disadvantages of the second jhana and then you try to go to the third jhana like that. So it is more, you know more about the experience. So uh, that first uh, type of, uh, of uh, those two skills, to be able to re reflect the jhana factors and then to be able to maintain the jhana for a long time. Those are the two things. So the first uh, you know, proposition is that uh, you can have uh, deep concentration and keep it for a long time, but not necessarily that you can uh, reflect the jhana factors. And then the second one is that uh, somebody exactly like that, he can keep the jhana for a long time, but he cannot uh, reflect the jhana factors properly. And then the third person is that uh, he cannot even get in the jhana, you know, and then he cannot, uh, of course, uh, reflect the jhana factors. And the fourth person is that, uh, is that uh, he is skillful in the boat, uh, those things. He is skillful to enter the jhana, to keep the jhana for a long time, and also to reflect the jhana factors. So this is for the first uh, type of uh, two qualities. And then you have a list of uh, another uh, 10. And then I will just enumerate them and briefly look at them a little bit. So the second uh, combination is that uh, somebody is skilled in concentration regarding concentration. So we have the same proposition. That is samadhi sming, samadhi kusalo oti. That is, uh, he can get some jhana, and then he can define the jhana factors. But he is not skilled in maintenance regarding concentration. Titi kusalo. So that means he cannot steady, he cannot make the jhana very firm and, uh, uh, you know, steady, and he cannot maintain it. Then, uh, then the, the opposite also, like he can maintain the, he can maintain the jhana, but he is not skilled uh, to define the jhana factors. And the third one, he is not able to attain the jhana, and also he cannot, he cannot make the jhana very stable and uh, steady, and he cannot uh, identify the jhana factors either. And the fourth one is that he can do both. He can attain and he can maintain the concentration, and also he can maintain, uh, he can identify the jhana factors. So all those things, you know, like uh, when they are ex explained by way of four, uh, uh, four types of uh, alternatives, then always the fourth one is always the best. And uh, the Buddha compares that to uh, when you get the milk, out of a cow, from a cow, then from the milk you get the cream, and then from the cream you get the butter, and from the butter you get ghee, and from ghee you get the cream of ghee. So uh, he says that the cream of ghee is always the best. The cream of ghee out of those four types of uh, combination is the best. 
So a third, a, a third type of uh, combination is that uh, somebody is skilled in uh, concentration regarding concentration, the same thing, you know, samadhi smink, samadhi kusaluvati, and na samadhi smink vuttana kusaluvati. That means uh, he is not very clever to get out of the jhana. He cannot emerge from the jhana. And this happens also, you know, like uh, you have some people, they get into jhana and they are so happy in that and they get so much of bliss that uh, they can stay for hours and hours and they have difficulty to, uh, uh, to get out at a determined time, you know, they cannot, uh, they cannot control it because it's so much enjoyable. So it's okay for monks, you know, who don't have nothing, who have nothing to do. But uh, for lay people, I think it's uh, more practical to have some control <laughs> about that. <laughs> then the fourth proposition is that uh, again the same thing: samadhi sming, samadhi kusaloti, and na samadhi sming kalava kusalo. That means uh, he is skillful to attain, to define the jhana factors, you know, to some extent, and, uh, but he is not skillful in the pliancy. He is not skillful uh, to make the mind pliant, fit, able. So that means he has not that flexibility of uh, dex dexterity. He is not so dexterous. So another one is that uh, somebody is skilled in concentration regarding concentration, but he is not skilled in the object. So here we have aramana. Samadhisming, aramana. Kusala. So aramana, we have dealt with that a little bit last week. So I think this is an interesting point, you know, and uh, this is where actually I would like to uh, explain a little bit you know, to develop a little bit. So Aramana, we have seen it is the object. And the mind, when it arises, it's always arising with an object, you know. All the five, all the six consciousness arise together with an object. So in concentration, when somebody can attain jhana, but cannot maintain the object itself. Then what is the weakness? And also what is the advantage of somebody who can attain jhana and can maintain the, the object clear in the mind? Because some people, they can attain, you know, some jhana, but uh, the object is not stable and then the object is always changing. So the object here, it can be all kinds of objects, like uh, when somebody practices the casina, for example, then the, the, the casina on which the mind gets uh, absorbed or on which the mind gets focused, the casina are changing, like th that is the color will be changing and then it is not very stable. But uh, in all the meditation uh, practice, there is an object on which the mind will get concentrated, like uh, on anapana, then the breath or the nimitta is the object. And uh, with all, all the, the, all the kamatana, there is an object on which your mind is getting focused. So if you cannot keep uh, the object very clear, then also the concentration is not going to be uh, very strong. 
So what is the advantage of keeping the object clear in the mind? So it is helping to keep the object of observation under control. That is, you can be able to watch an object for a long time. You can fix it without moving. I think maybe like a scientist, when he wants to look at something, he needs to have the object very stable in front of him. He needs to look at it for a long time and just to examine it. So first of all, he needs, I think, just to, uh, to keep it there, you know, very stable. So the second advantage is that uh, it helps to establish the relation with how the object and the, and the subject relates to each other. So we have the object and then we have the subject, that is the, the subjective part of uh, the experience. Like, for example, if somebody practiced the metta, then the object of the metta will be all beings, or it will be a specific person, or it will be a specific being. So the jhana factors, or the jhana itself, will arise in relation to the object, that is the beings. And the subject will be the jhana factors plus like if he is practicing metta, then the, the mental factors of metta, it will arise only in that type of consciousness when somebody is uh, practicing metta. Because the objects is, a, is, a, you know, is the beings and the, he is wishing uh, good things for the, those persons, those beings, so the quality of metta is coming. If the object is the suffering beings, because sometimes if we see somebody who is suffering, then we develop a compassion. So when the being is suffering, we develop the quality of compassion. So the quality of compassion is different than the quality of metta. So uh, karuna in Pali is a chetasika that is different than the metta. And then it will arise depending on the object. And if the object on which we focus our attention, for example, in the Brahma Vihara, then if it is the beings, if they are happy, or you know, if we wish for their happiness and we are very you know, sympathetic to, to, to the gains and the advantage they have got in life, then the chitasika that will be, you know, that will be added, the mental factors that we will have together with uh, others will be the quality of mudita, the sympathetic joy. So the object, because it is different, then also it brings the different qualities to the mind itself. So we have object and then we have the uh, subject. And also the same thing with uh, generosity. You know, if we do, uh, if we do, if we reflect on the charity that we have done before, and so we have an object, and then the subject we will be influenced. You know, we will be. Uh, uh, affected by the types of thoughts and uh, the types of object that is coming to our mind. So we have those two things. It helps to keep the mind of, of observation under control, 
and also it helps to establish a relation with how the subject relates to the object. So in the field of samadhi, you know, in the field of uh, concentration, we can say that uh, it helps to control the mind by controlling the object. Because samadhi is uh, also a process of control. You know, we want to develop good qualities and we want to have a kind of uh, discipline and a kind of control over our mind. So we are fixing deliberately, you know, deliberately we fix uh, a chosen object. Huh? And then that object <laughs> will, uh, will influence our mood. So we can adjust the, the object you know, according to what we want. So we can adapt, you know, the mind tendency to, uh, to something that will be helpful. For example, if we have anger, then we can practice the metta. It's very good. And then also if we have lust or, you know, a very strong desire, then we can meditate on that or asuba or, you know, other things that will be, that, that will counterbalance that kind of a very strong uh, uh, tendency that will not be so skillful for us. Or if we are thinking too much, then the practice of anapana also will be very useful. So by using an object, a specific object, we get some uh, feedback out of it. So the object itself is having an influence on our mind. And uh, by, having, by having the possibilities you know, to have many uh, objects on which we can uh, meditate on, it's like a little bit like a, like a radio. Like when we want to have a specific type of music, like if we are in a bad mood, or then we put some music that is going to, uh, to uh, you know, to uh, inspire or is going to, to suit us a little bit, you know. And if we are in a very excited mood, then sometimes we can put some music that is calming, very uh, uh, soft music. So we can decide the type of uh, channel that we want to listen to. But also, like I would like to compare the quality of the object again with music, because I think we can make a good parallel. Like in music, you know, suppose you have an orchestra or many types of instrument. Don't worry, nobody will be asked to sing something you know, after the retreat. So uh, we have many types of instrument. And every instrument has a specific uh, quality to it, has a, have a specific timbre. Is it correct? A timbre, you know, the, the, the timbre or the timbre? Timbre, right? So that means like a, the note can be the same. So an instrument will be able to play the same note as another instrument, but the timbre will be different. Like, for example, if you play the same note with a trumpet, the time will be different than if you play it with the flute, or if you play it with a, a clarinet, or if you play it with the oboe, or with a, a string uh, instrument. So although th all those instruments, although they will make the same note, they will have a different effect on our mind. I mean, like for the listener of music. So that means that the uh, 
music composer, if he wants to have some special effect in his uh, composition, he will use, in certain places, he will use the oboe, or sometimes he will use the flute, or sometimes he will use the trumpet, or, you know, all kinds of instruments that he can change, because there is a nuance, there is a difference with the timbre, and the timbre is, is, is affecting, you know, how we... Uh, how we perceive, how we, uh, how we interpret the emotions that, that, that the musician wants to convey to us. Like also, you know, the bass, you know, the bass, any kind of bass will have a very dramatic type of uh, feeling, a, a very dramatic type of uh, expression. And also the piccolo, the, it's very joyful and very light, you know, those small flutes. So they are used for different, uh, you know, for different impact. So it's the same with the, uh, with the meditation object. Uh, we can select, we can choose. We don't need to have a very big variety of meditation objects, but a few of them, like metta or anapana, or sometimes thinking about that, sometimes reflecting on sila, sometimes reflecting on uh, uh, generosity, sometimes... Uh, practicing all kinds, you know, so if we have at least a little bit of variety to which we can uh, include in our practice, then depending on our mood, sometimes we can shift, you know, and it can be very useful. So once we are able, this is for some idea, that is, uh, by being able to control, to some extent, our emotions, we get very calm and we get peaceful. And then when we get peaceful, then we can see much more clearly. That is, we can see the relation with the object and also uh, the subject. So when we turn to vipassana, that strength, that power that we developed with the samatha to be able to focus on one object, that power will be used to analyze the object itself, but not only a specific object, but all kinds of objects that uh, are coming into our sense. And sometimes also that uh, power of analysis, an object can be turned to the observer itself. We can observe ourselves, we can observe our mind, you know. So we can observe also the observer with, uh, with that, uh, skill. So there are, this is about uh, number five, no? So there are another five skills that, uh, that are described here. And uh, the following one, the following one is that uh, the same proposition, like somebody is skilled uh, in concentration regarding concentration. And then, but he is not skilled in the range, gochara. So he is not skilled. He is not skilled into the 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 field in which the meditation subject is going. The word gochara we saw uh, about two weeks ago, and uh, we explained that uh, actually the meaning is that uh, grazing or a pasture. So it is where the mind is going to feed itself. But here, I mean, the, the go is uh, the, the, the cow. So the, 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 the pasture for the cows, 
are uh, compared with the the pasture for the mine. So that is the the area or the domain in which uh, the mine is going for uh, meditation. So here a further explanation about that is that uh, they define two types. They define two types of uh, domain, two types of goshara. And uh, the first one is the is the it's called the nimitta ram nimitta ramana that is a, a meditation subject or a field of uh, knowing a field of uh, observation that is based the object will be a nimitta the object will be an image you know like all the samatha practice. Most of them, many of them, have a, a, an image as, a, as their object. It's a, it's a created image that the mind will make and that the mind will be uh, uh, focusing on. And the second type is the, the Lakana Ramana. That is a, an object, Aramana, and then Lakana. So that is an object that is having the natural characteristic, an object that is having the individual characteristic, like uh, the field of uh, vipassana, for example, it's uh, the objects are not concepts. The objects are having the intrinsic uh, qualities to themselves. They are having uh, the essence, you know, an individual essence. So they are not; uh, they are realities. What they are called the uh, paramata. So this is the field of uh, the vipassana. So when a meditator is able to distinguish which type of object, which type of range the object is covering, then it is very useful because uh, its analysis will be uh, deeper. This analysis will be uh, more complete and it will not be deluded. For example, when you practice anapanasati, meditation on uh, breathing, if you observe the breath itself, then the breath is the four element. So the breath can be observed as you know, the air element together with the other three elements. So this is a, uh, an object that is having the own individual characteristic as, uh, as observation, as manifestation. But if you observe the breath, so this is the field of vipassana, but if you observe the breath in the sense of a concept, if you observe the breath as a unit without dividing it, you know, in kalapas and uh, in ultimate reality, then that breath uh, will be, uh, can be used for further samatha. And that breath, for example, will turn into an image. And then this will be also, you know, the, the field of uh, samatha meditation. And without the image, the jhana cannot, cannot occur. So a person who wants to develop jhana, if he just observe the breath as the four elements, he will not be able to do it. And also, if the person is, is observing the breath, but relates the breath to the supporting conditions to it, that is, if you're observing the breath, but together with the body, that if you are breathing, you are just aware of your whole body, and then 
you are just aware of uh, the body itself. So the body itself is not the breath. The body is the supporting conditions for the breath to arise. So if somebody observes the body, then this is the four element meditation. So like that. Uh, by observing you know, the object, then you will be able to identify the, 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 the type of object that this is. And the type of object also uh, can be divided in the, in the range, in the sense of uh, possibility. Like all the objects are not the same. Like if somebody is meditating on the four elements, then the, pot the potential you know, for jhana or for further uh, development into samadhi will be limited because the four element meditation will not take someone higher than the neighborhood concentration because it is having an object that has uh, the natural characteristic. You know, it is changing all the time. So because of that, the jhana cannot occur. So that's important. It's like also, like to come back to the music, it's like to know if you want to go to a higher tone, you know, the pitch that is called, like you have the low tone and then the higher tone and then still the higher notes that an instrument can play. So some instruments, they are limited to a certain, uh, you know, to a certain gradation. For example, the bass is very low. So if you want, uh, you know, some effect, or if you want some uh, low notes, you are just using the bass. <coughs> but in the, like with the string instruments, if you want a higher pitch, if you want uh, the, the notes to be higher, you, you will need to change from the bass to the cello, for example. So the cello is a little bit smaller, and because of that, it gives, when you play with it, it gives a, a tonality that is higher than the bass. And then if you want to play you know, higher notes, you will take the alto, and then if you want still the highest pitch, you know, you, you will use the violin. So those four instruments, for example, in the, in the string, they are, uh, they are having uh, different types of uh, levels for the, for the notes to arise. So it's the same thing with the meditation subject. Like if we want some kinds of results, we should know that some meditation subject or object are not going to bring us to that type of uh, uh, higher concentration. We need to change the object itself, and this is important. So here somebody is skilled in the, in the, in the range of the meditation subject, but he is not skilled in the, in the concentration. Or somebody is skilled in both, you know, in his skill in concentration and uh, identifying the, the jhana factors, also is a skill in identifying the, the range of the meditation subject. And of course, we have the, the third one that he is not skilled in ne neither of those two. So another skill that uh, a meditator can develop is that uh, the skill in the abini hara, that is the skill to resolve, to elevate the meditation subject. 
for distinction. For example, uh, if somebody can attain the first jhana, then she will have the possibility to go higher to the second jhana. So that skill to, to boost a little bit, you know, to encourage uh, our meditation to go further, this is something that, is, uh, that has to be developed. And then another one is that, uh, is that uh, somebody is skilled you know, in samadhi, but he is not skilled to act carefully enough to enter the jhana. Sakkachakari. That means he, he cannot go through, you know, they say here the translation as a true worker in concentration. So he doesn't know exactly how to proceed, you know, to, to, to enter the jhana. He is almost there, but uh, he is not sure, and uh, he, he cannot get into, into, the, into the, the jhana. Then another one is that, uh, is that he is skilled in concentration, regarding concentration, and also uh, he is not skilled in persistence, perseverance in the jhana itself, satachakari. So he can attain the jhana, but he cannot maintain it for a long time. He has a difficulty to maintain, you know, to, to keep uh, persevering in that uh, attainment. And the last one is that uh, somebody uh, can attain, you know, or he can be skillful in, in concentration, but he is lacking the to know what is suitable and what is not suitable. Because sama, samatha practice are depending on many causes. So if we are not careful, which type of conditions are going to bring a specific uh, jhana experience or you know, who is going, that is going to support our samatha practice, then uh, we will not be able to maintain the concentration. We will not be able to develop the concentration. So it's important for us to study what is suitable for us? Because this is also another thing with the samatha practice that it is very demanding and we need very specific conditions and when especially at the beginning we need a lot of calms and uh, you know, to be quiet and not to be disturbed by uh, uh, many other activities. So uh, the skills that uh, we learn you know, by looking at ourselves and to see which type of things are going to support our meditation we need, to, uh, we need to take that into consideration. So those are the 11 type of, uh, of uh, skill that a meditator should develop. So then again, that, uh, that kind of combination is done, you know, like now they started with somebody with skill in samadhi, that is a skill in identifying the jhana factors and then is not skilled in the other and not like that, no? So after that, they start again, you know, the cycle, but uh, starting, for example, with uh, repeating, you know, f repeating the second proposition that is, uh, for example, uh, to be skilled in the, in the samapati, to be skilled in the attainment. And then they, 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 they use that with uh, the parallel of uh, the others. So what is important to know is that uh, there are many factors that are uh, important and that are not to be neglected for 
keeping the concentration and also to, to be able to use those, uh, those things, you know, that, that will benefit our, um, our practice of meditation. So here, as a conclusion, you know, we may say that uh, the two main points <laughs> of emphasizes that I like, that I mentioned, you know, is that, uh, that in samadhi, we need to know the object. Huh? And then we need to know the knower. So we need to know uh, the object itself and then the range, you know. And then to, to we need to know which effect, how to observe you know, how to observe ourselves, how to observe our emotions, you know, because the jhana factors are also a part of emotion. So when we are able to do those things, then, uh, well, clarity of analysis will get uh, better, and then with that, understanding also will improve. So samatha actually is a very precise methodology, and also it has an important place in the Buddhism. So when we start our daily meditation, you know, any time when we are starting, what should we do? We always we need to start with what is there. So we start, for example, if we are sitting, we are just looking at what is there. How is our mental states, and then, and then, you know, how we can uplift a little bit our mind how we can orient our practice according to the situation. So we are using many means. There are many means, you know, like to practice metta sometimes, or just to also sometimes we can just observe the hindrances. This is also an object that can, this is also something that can be an object of our observation. So first we establish a peaceful frame of mind then we are in the now and uplift our mind by a few means and then we see deeper, you know, we see deeper level of reality by the inside practice. So the more we get uh, uh, mental clarity with the meditation practice, the more we see uh, and understand ourselves and understand, you know, our life. So the samadhi is the key to the wisdom, as they say. And the samadhi also, uh, for uh, it to occur, we need to have the five faculties balanced. So this is important. So to finish, uh, you know, just a practical thing is that, uh, for example, when you go to the Laundry here, they use the washing machine. So when uh, you put your, your clothes there, you know, there are three modes in the machines, at least. So one is the super wash, and then there is another one is delicate, and uh, there is another one is a normal press. So 
you have to decide according to the clothes that uh, you are putting there. Like if you put the silk, you know, then you have to put it on delicate. And if you put very heavy blankets with a lot of dirt, then you put it in the superwash. And if it's just a normal thing, you know, you just put it on the normal. So it's the same thing with our practice. We need to balance our faculties and we don't need to go full speed all the time. You know, we, we have to, to listen to ourselves. We have to be very kind also to ourselves. And uh, we have to be patient. And uh, also we have, to, we have to remind ourselves that the practice is for our own benefit. So the more we practice, the more uh, we, we get some result. And the results are not always obvious. Sometimes we don't see any result. We think, oh, why are, are, are we practicing? You know, there is no progress at all. So there, there was a story, you know, not a story, but a comparison that uh, you may know. Like the Buddha said that uh, progress is like a, a, a carpenter who is using a hammer. So every day, you know, like uh, he, has a, he is having a new hammer and every day he is just banging on his, uh, you know, he's working with uh, his instrument. And uh, only after, after a few months or sometimes after a year, you know, when you look at uh, the hammer, you will see that uh, eventually the print of his fingers are there. So you can see exactly that the, 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 the hand of the, the, the carpenter is almost, you know, it's almost carved in the wood itself. So all that happened. It did not happen from one day to the other. It took months, you know, or months of uh, ending the, the instrument and, you know, just working with it. So it's the same with our practice. We don't see the progress. It's not obvious, but all the time there is a progress. And sometimes also we think that uh, uh, we are going back and uh, we are not, you know, going forward. But if we know that uh, we are learning all the time and uh, what we are doing, you know, if it is done with understanding and, uh, and also intelligence and kindness, then there is always some benefit. So I think uh, if you have any questions, you can ask them. Otherwise, we will uh, answer those that, are being, that have been written. Yes. Yes, but you don't pay attention to it. Like if your mind is changing, you know, like if your perception is changing, then the nimitta will change. But uh, the idea is that once you start to get a nimitta, then if you get your mind very stable, you know, and uh, very concentrated and balanced, then the nimitta will not be changing, right? So you don't, you, you, you don't pay, you try to stabilize the nimitta when it starts to arise. And you, know, you don't, uh, you don't, uh, you don't make it change, you make it stable. So there is one question here, and uh, it is 
When materiality kalapas are seen and known, is this seeing and knowing experienced as subtle bodily sensation as well as mental knowing? <coughs> there are six steps of cognitive process. I do cognitive process which knows color. Ear do cognitive process which knows the song. Nose do cognitive process which knows the smell. Tan do cognitive process which knows the taste. Body do cognitive process which knows the tangible objects. Tangible objects are earth element, fire element, and wind element. Hardness, roughness, happiness, softness, smoothness, lightness, these six are the characteristics of earth element. Heat and coldness, these are the characteristics of fire element. Sabode and Boucher, these two characteristics are the characteristics of wind element. These three elements are tangible objects. If you touch, by touching sensation, you can feel these three elements only. But mind dog, there is another one, number six is mind dog cognitive process. Mind dog cognitive process realize six types of objects. Mind dog cognitive process knows the color, knows the sound, knows smell, taste, tangible objects, and as well as the dhamma objects. There are six types of dhamma objects. Maybe except color, sound, smell, taste, tangible objects. The remaining materiality, there are 28 types of materiality. The remaining materialities are called my object. Maybe altogether there are 21 types of materiality. All Chaita consciousness, all Chaita mental factors are the object of mind cognitive process. So, <clears throat> if you see Kalabas, this is only mind cognitive process, but that mind cognitive process, especially Jivana mind movement impulsions, that Jivana must be associated with wisdom faculty. That mind cognitive process can knows and sees the Kalabas. No bodily sensation. Hmm? If you see Galapas, you cannot feel bodily sensation. This is mind cognitive process only realize this Galapas only. So another question is, Galapas, does this term or name occur in the Abhidhamma or suttas or commentaries? Where does Buddha mention that? This is Western idea. <laughs> Many Westerners, they criticize Kalabha a lot. 
many, many deaders if they practice practically, they see these clubbers. Systematically, if they practice, they see these clubbers. But I want to ask you one question. There are two terms, English government and United Kingdom government. Is there any difference between these two terms? Any difference? English government and United Kingdom government. They have same meaning or different meaning? Huh? Huh? Same meaning. Both directly does not say Kalapa, but Buddha says, Buddha does not say English government. Buddha says United Kingdom government. <laughs> In Mahayaulawada Soda, Buddha explains six element meditation. Art element, Wada element, Paya element, Wind element. These are four elements. And then space element, Agasa Dadu. Then Consciousness element Wunyana Dadu. So six six element meditation about that teach. What is now we are teaching here four elements meditation. It is familiar to you. But another element is space element. What is space? <laughs> this is only. Eh? There are different types of space. Jada Gaza, this open sky. Hmm? This is a Jadagasa, we call open space. The another one is Casino Gada Magasa. Casino Gada Magasa means by removing Casino, you can see this space. If they practice immaterial jhanas, they understand well this. By removing Casino Sagar, they can see this space. Taking this space as object, they can attain the base of boundless jhana concentration. The another agasa is Prichaina Gasa. Prichaina Gasa means the boundary of Kalabas only. This space between different clubs, this boundary or borderline, borderline of clubs. So Buddha says, you must try to see Agasa Dadu, space element. What does the meaning? You must try to see boundary of clubs or borderline of clubs. In this way, Buddha says, so if you see borderline of Kalabas, you will see Kalaba. So Buddha says to see space element. The commentary explains why Buddha teach to see space element. There are 24, 28 types of materiality, robots. 
Among 28, Buddha separately teach four elements meditation, earth element, water element, fire element, wind element. But there are 24 derivative materialities. Among 24 derivative materialities, Buddha teach Agasa space to see the borderline of Kalabas. Why Buddha teach? This is what we call Lakanahara Nidhi Masa. Lakanahara Nidhi Masa means they have same characteristic. Because of this, they all are combined together, 24 types of derivative materialities are combined together under the space element, agasa element. Because agasa space also derivative materiality as well as the remaining 23 robots are also derivative materiality. So they have same characteristics. For example, kala. What is the kala? Kala of four elements only. Smell. What is the smell? Smell of four elements only. Taste. What is the taste? The taste of four elements only. So, the space, what is the space? The borderline of four elements only. <laughs> so, if you can see this borderline of these clubs, in each club there are four elements. They are main materialities, essential materialities. Depending on these essential materialities, color, odor, flavor, nutritive essence, etc., the remaining derivative materialities arise. So, because of this reason, although Buddha does not directly teach Kalapa, Buddha says to Buddha teach to see space element. Space element is the borderline of Kalabas or boundary of Kalabas. Because of the reason, in many sutras, Buddha says, Chakong Chakbajanadi, Soden Chakbajanadi, Kanen Chakbajanadi, etc. Rumors try to see check eye, eye transparency, ear transparency, nose transparency, tongue transparency, body transparency. Please touch your eye. Can you feel touching sensation? So there are, my meaning is, your eye can see color. Not only can see color, but your eye also can feel touching sensation. Please touch. Do you feel touching sensation? So, my meaning is there are not only eye transparency, there are also body transparency. How you can differentiate eye transparency and body transparency in your eye? There are also... If you see, pay attention carefully, oh, this is woman, this is man, you can clearly understand. Because there are such determining materiality also. 
how you can differentiate in your eye this color bus without seeing color bus. So you can differentiate eye transparency in body transparency if you see color bus only. Or this is eye decade color or this is body decade color or this is sex sex determining decade color sex decade color in this way you can differentiate. Without seeing, Buddha teach, you must try or you must contemplate Chaku nature, huh? Sonda nature, Kana nature, Jiva nature, Kaya nature. So in your eye, there is also Kaya body transparency as well as eye transparency. You must contemplate eye transparency as nature, Embamini. You must contemplate body transparency as nature. Embamini, etc. How you can contemplate, how do you can differentiate without seeing Kalabas? So it is not easy. In the of Buddha, many bhikkhus are predicate practitioners. They understand the meaning of Buddha's teaching clearly. Buddha teach you must try to see space element. What is space element? They already understood. Because of this reason, space element is nothing but the boundary of Kalabas or Buddha teach to see Kalabas. They indirectly understand. Another meaning is commentary explains is if you see Kalabas. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.